Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action, episode 89, episode 20 of season three. This is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast in these ambulances and uh, Side Action Pod on Twitter and YouTube. Late tonight. Um, Ambulance is oh, coming around it's late. All, every 30 minutes. There's been like five of them in the last 15 minutes. There's something going on. So huh. I'm fine, America. I know you're worried. Uh, you'd be happy to know I'm fine. But, That's good. Uh, Anyway, so you've been you've been really busy. We're talking about your work schedule, uh, and for those watching on YouTube, yes, I'm still wearing the shirt. I haven't taken it off in nine days. It's a it's it's part of my skin now. This is actually my skin right now. Um, but no, I I love these things, so I'm just promoting us again. So uh, how was your how was your weekend? I, I had a tough tough weekend at the books, buddy. It was a it was a rough one. Yeah, I was up and down a little bit, um, mostly down on Saturday. Although the Packers cover was very nice. We'll talk about that later. Um, mm-hmm. Gave a little bit back on Sunday, and college hoops has been a little bit so-so in the last few days. So looking forward to getting back in the black side of things here, if we can. How yeah, about absolutely. you? Oh, it was a terrible weekend. I think I was 1-5 in five or 1-4. in four. It was awful. Yeah, I only but... got the um, – the only win was the last game. It was I, – I got the Saints-Bucks under. Okay. Obviously, I only had two bets on Baltimore, which we'll talk about later, that hurt. And then I had the Chiefs. What did I have on the Chiefs? Yeah, I think I got it at eight. I bought it. I got it at minus eight, which seemed pretty good in the first half. Yeah. And then petered out. I thought I was like, oh, that that's really low. It was ten all week, and I'm like, let's jump on it. And then, yeah, that hurt. So I don't know if I maybe it's only one in. Maybe I, I guess I must have picked another side there, but it's okay. Gave, just gave back the winnings that I won the week before. Yeah, that's all right. We'll get them back this week. That's right. Well, great. Well, let's looks like you've got. We've got. We haven't. You know, usually on this podcast, if you listen to us for the last couple of years, we usually do a segment on you know the the gaming community and what's going on. We've got a couple of updates because it's been a minute since we've updated, especially in our you know in Action's home state now of Michigan, but. It looks like you're showing that Virginia also went live on Thursday. So we're up to 21 states where gambling is legal. Why don't you lay out what's going on in Michigan? Yeah, Virginia, I think that's brand new. Like first bets were taken today. Michigan, Mm -hmm. as you know, has been taking bets for quite some time. I think it was even like pre-pandemic, if you can think back to that far. I know it's hard to do, but... Uh, I think taking... it beat Illinois to the punch, right? Didn't yeah. they beat Illinois to the punch? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the first day was like um, the conference basketball tournaments, like March 10th, mm-hmm. and then March 11th right. was the world closed. So they were taking <laughs> bets and have been at the uh, the true casinos and sports books at MGM and um, Motor City Casino. But finally, tomorrow, they've agreed on online rules, and all of the online books in the state of Michigan will start taking bets tomorrow, Friday at noon. So it's very nice. exciting. You can bet here from the home office. That's right. You can. You don't have to leave. You don't have to tell your brother or somebody to take a bet yeah. in Indianapolis or, or yeah. wire me funds like you never did that. But, you know, you could in <laughs> Illinois. So. For sure. 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, I a whole slew of operators are popping up tomorrow. I think there's nine that are going active tomorrow. And wow. the regulations allow for 15 full licenses to take online bets. So I have lots of outs now. Yeah, and it looks like I don't think I was aware that Barstool had an out. Um, I didn't know Barstool had a platform for betting. So news to me. But you've got BetMGM, which I know you're a big MGM guy in Vegas. I'm sure you got that app. You got mm-hmm. Bet Rivers, which I do here in Illinois. DraftKings and FanDuel, which we all know. Golden Nugget, PointsBet, Twin Spires, William Hill. Gosh, they just opened the open the floodgates in this one. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that all of I don't recall any of the other Midwest states having such a large offering. No. Um, so it's definitely a good thing for us betters here in Michigan. Barstool right. actually has their first branded sports book at the mm-hmm. uh, Greektown Casino here in downtown Detroit. I know nice. I've seen Portnoy passing through there on Twitter recently, and I think they have one in Pennsylvania as well. Oh, there you go. Why not? Why not? Spread the joy. Good for them. That's a good avenue. I'm sure they're going to make money on it. So just let those algorithms do, do the work. Um, mm-hmm. It's awesome. Well, let's jump into the episode. We've got the divisional matchup recap here from last week. Um, maybe not that surprising results. We, we were on the wrong side in a couple here. But, you know, first of all, the Packers uh, Packers took care of business against the Rams. We, we kind of expected this. We had, I had talked about the Rams maybe around seven. I would buy in. But the line really fell to about six and a half. And, and honestly, I don't know. I don't think Aaron down 100%, but the Packers definitely routed this number one defense. You know, number one offense beat the number one defense for once, which never happens. 484 total yards and a win of 32 to 18, so easily covering that number. And it, it hit the over as a result as well, which is something that may have been something that I lost. I probably had the under in that game. So obviously Green Bay is going to host their first NFC championship game with um, – with Rodgers at the helm, and uh, it should be an exciting exciting game this weekend. Yeah, can't wait for that one. I, I was really impressed by Goff and Cam Akers, especially yep. on yep. the other side. I think they played a lot better than I expected, but that Rams defense just couldn't do anything to stop the Packers. Really probably could have been even worse if the Packers got into the end zone a couple more times in the first half. Um, yep. Without that, it would have been a runaway. Yeah, the Rams could not stop this team. They were going up and down the field, but I agree with you. I've been a Jared Goff hater, or you know, basically for the last three years. I thought he played really well. Mm-hmm. You know, he he acquitted himself well. That you know, we we had talked about, oh, he can't throw the ball and under sub you know sub freezing temperatures was right around that, and he played well despite that thumb. So, not to say he's worth the the paycheck, but at the same time, I think he's a lot doing a lot better than say a Wentz or a Trubisky at this stage of his career right now. Mm-hmm. The next game we had were, were the Bills uh, against the Ravens. This was uh, one we were, we were on the wrong side of, and like I said, I, I took the money line, ended up taking the spread bet uh, plus three. I think this was a crazy game action. I mean, it, uh, you know what can be said? The Ravens D did what they're supposed to do. They slowed down this great Bills D or Bills offense, the number two defense against the number two offense. They held them like 220 yards, uh, total yards. That's not two, That's not 22 dash. It's 220 yards on the outline. And um, the Ravens moved the ball up and down the field. But they missed two field goals, which Tucker never misses. He's missed three in two weeks then. And then they couldn't get in the end zone. And in the end, the Bills switched the script in the second half and actually ran the ball at the Ravens in that first drive. Got the big touchdown to go ahead 10-3. And Lamar Jackson, you know, it wasn't the worst throw I've ever seen, but 
he looked, he was looking down Andrews the whole way. It's third and goal. Even if you throw it away, you're down four points instead. Mm-hmm. Huge pick six uh, by by the Bills, and that just turned the game. And obviously Jackson got knocked out with a concussion. So, um, you know, they turned to the rookie who, who played okay, but he's like the fourth stringer, and then they end up losing 17-3 to outright. So good for the Bills. First first uh, AFC title appearance since 1994. That's a long time, actually. Yeah, that's exciting for Buffalo fans, I'm sure. I was impressed by the Buffalo play calling. I think I saw in the game script that they didn't even run in the first half. Dayball came out not. and threw on every play. And then to open the second half, they went on like eight straight rushing plays. So right. it was uh, masterful by Dable. And uh, on the flip side, I am surprised that the Ravens weren't able to do more on the ground. I mean, they had they were doing okay in yards per carry, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't get the ground game going. And mm-hmm. ultimately, the pick six doomed them. Yeah. Yeah, so that one, we obviously, you know, was an under, a clear under in that game. So that would have been as easy call but the um all that money on the ravens goes goes for naught so good for the bills and we'll see it's going to be a matchup of some some incredible offenses this weekend and the next game here so the chiefs the chiefs take on the browns on sunday and you know we were texting early in this game it's kind of the the script for kc this year they're just crushing teams in the first half kind of crushing the spirit but they really didn't get the end zone that much i mean they were up 19 to 3 you know, the Browns had that crazy play at the end of the half, that almost a touchdown, probably a targeting, not called. The ball goes through the end zone for the touchback. They go to the halftime, 19-3, to throw a pick on their first series. It's looking like Cleveland has no shot. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mahomes gets knocked out of this game. He was already hobbled with a toe injury, gets this kind of weird nerve concussion thing we'll talk about later, and the Browns have a shot to win this game. So obviously our, our your cousin Mikey was got a, he had been frothing at the mouth, down 22-17. But KC defense held a couple times and Chad Henney from Michigan, I don't know they dusted him out of mothballs and he uh did enough to get the win. But the Browns do cover the number and the under hits in this game. Yeah, I ended up on the Browns myself when it got to 10, so mm-hmm. I was lucky to cash that ticket. Really helped aided by the Mahomes injury, I think, but. Uh, I mean, the question mark from this game has got to be Mahomes' injury status. I know we'll probably touch on it more later, but I don't think that Henny was doing much. I mean, he threw the one really bad interception in the end zone, which kept the Browns in the game. You could argue that he kind of sealed the game with that third down scramble that got them into position and then ultimately allowed Andy Reid to call the play to go for it on fourth down, which iced it. So. Henny is really right. much more of a game manager for this team, and uh, I was impressed by the Browns yet again. Got to say it. Yeah, I mean, they played good. They were in it to win it. They almost had it. I think they're a year away from being really good, but this is great experience for that team, and you know, Cleveland fans got to be excited. I mean, I, I do think if they would have backed into this win and gone to Buffalo, they probably have gotten rocked. I mean, that's yeah. kind of how I thought, was thinking about this game, but... Who cares? You know, the playoffs, whatever happens on the field, you got to play the game, and, and good for you on catching that Browns ticket. So the last game was the Bucks against the Saints. This was a, a really interesting game. We were both on the Bucks here, uh, and I didn't actually bet the side. You know, right before kickoff, I was hearing everybody talk about the Saints. I almost bet them because it was down to, like, three, and I'm like, oh, that's like a – I mean, the Saints are going to do this, even though they haven't made deep runs in the playoffs the last couple of years. And it kind of looked that way. I mean, the Saints were dominating early in this game. 
Tampa couldn't do anything against this defense, but a bad Breeze interception in the first half kept a minute, so they get tied at 13 at halftime, and then the Saints come out and score early, take control of the game, have another drive where they, you know, they looks like they were going to go in for another score potentially, but Jared Cook does not hang on to the football. Ball security fumbles it. Devin White takes it back, not to the house, but puts him in position, and that just changed the whole game. So down 20 to uh, to 13, they just score 17 straight points to close out the game. Breeze looked terrible after that in that one bad pick where he was, I don't know what who, I guess it was miscommunication. And then the third one, it really wasn't his fault. It was it was really Cook again who didn't catch the damn ball. But you know those four those four turnovers really cost them, and and now. Brady's going to go to the NFC Championship game and see if he can get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it was kind of a Fugazi final score here. Yeah. I mean, they, Tampa didn't really do much on offense at all. They scored on, like, short mm. fields every time. Brady didn't even crack 200 passing yards. Yeah. And uh, I'm not really sure if this win makes me bump them up in the power ratings at all. And, uh, you know, on the flip side, I just feel for Drew Brees – Purdue Boilermaker yeah. and going out like that kind of sucks on a national stage, but uh, it's pretty clear that he couldn't throw the ball down the field and Tampa's defense keyed in on that. They just couldn't move it at all. Right. Michael Thomas, zero catches on the day. Wow. I zero. didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. He couldn't get separation. You know, one thing that I'm, we'll talk about in the, the matchup for the championship, the, you know, all year, the Bucks. Uh, cornerbacks have played bump and run tight coverage and really the saints receivers weren't doing a great job of shaking it. Mm-hmm. Thomas, especially we'll see if that's going to work against Devonte Adams, who I think is, has maybe shows that he's a cut above, you know, Tom, especially after injuries with Thomas, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be a matchup. We'll see how that works come Sunday. Let's roll into the previews for the championship. You know, obviously we've, you know, this, there's only two games to review, so we'll dig in as deep as we can here. Um, we'll go over the odds and, and the injuries like we've done in the in the recent weeks with the playoffs here. First game is actually Tampa going to Green Bay, and that's a 3:05. That's the uh, is that Central or is that Eastern time? I think these are Eastern time. Yeah, okay, I think it's Eastern three. time. So Green Bay being at home at Lambeau, they're opening up as a four-point favorite and 51-point total. That's kind of trimmed down to a three-point favorite now in 51 point total obviously there's some some interesting injuries in this one uh when i look at this you know a lot of the wide receivers have injuries the skill positions on the buck side godwin has a quad issue he didn't look quite right on sunday he was limited to practice so far ronald jones also a quad who's questionable mike evans has been nursing a knee for a few weeks and then on the defensive side this sean murphy bunting who made the huge interception um, cornerback has a quad injury limited and Jason Pierre Paul who's been their key pass rusher um, his knee for is questionable as well as the free safety like Antonio Brown's on there so there's a lot of people for the box from what I can see on the Packers side Will Redmond the free safety has a knee issue he's questionable Jared uh, Valdir the offensive tackle has COVID so I'm not sure if he's going to make it through the protocol and then Rick Wagner the offensive tackle uh, has a knee issue he was limited in practice so do any of those injuries, you know, I think you already said you bet the Packers. So, I mean, do you, do you feel even stronger about it then? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the one, the two that jump out at me, I, and I think it was noticeable last weekend too, is Antonio Brown. 
He just mm-hmm. didn't appear to be the same player that he had been the previous few weeks. I had noted pers- in my mind that Tom Brady and Brown seemed to have really made a connection the right. last few weeks of the season, and he didn't really have that available to him on Sunday. And Chris Godwin is in the same boat. I think he's one of their big possession receivers, and if he's not 100%, that's going to be more difficult on the Tampa offense as well. Mm-hmm. How about you? Any of these injuries yeah. jump out of you? Well, and I didn't fail to mention that Vita Vea, the, the big defensive nose tackle, is supposed to return as of yesterday. I do not see any reports that he has actually practiced, though. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be returning from the IR, and that would be a big key for me, especially against the run and um, Ronald Jones. I'm not Ronald Jones, Aaron Jones. So, you know, you know, going into this game, I did admittedly grab I grabbed the four right away for Tampa. So I did like that number for them, especially coming off the big game. Brady's been there. You know, he knows what he's doing. He's got the weapons. That defense, if they play as well as they did on Sunday, yeah, I think they can win the game, you know. And I know a lot of sharp people are looking that way, but you've said that you don't think they can, you know, Aaron Rodgers and this offense can be stopped. I I don't know. I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I'm going to see a lot in that first quarter because I think that if, you know, Fleur has his stuff together and he's got a great game plan to get Devontae Adams open, great. My biggest fear with Green Bay is they don't – I don't really trust their secondary receivers. I, I mean, last week mm-hmm. we talked about how um, Ramsey was going to be on Adams, and he smoked that dude. Honestly, yeah. he did. But – Besides the bump and run stuff that I talked about Tampa, I think that they're just going to play it differently. They're going to put a safety on him or what over the top and make your, you know, Tanya didn't have a big game. He didn't need to. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be able to run on this team. We know that, that Tampa doesn't give up the run. So I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as this number shows. So I, I still like three and a half is probably still too high. If it gets down to three, then I'd probably go with Green Bay. But I don't like that hook or the, the four. So I think Brady's going to be there to the end. Yeah. I I feel like that uh, Green Bay is going to be up for revenge, too. If you remember earlier mm-hmm. on in the season, that game in Tampa, Green Bay jumped out to a quick 10-0 lead. And then I think Tampa came back and scored 31 unanswered points to beat them handily. So they did. I, I kind of throw that one out. It was a long time ago. And it back was. then, uh, the Packers were riding high. So certainly was a shocker to us at the time. I think we were on Green Bay. But oh, we were. We were. <laughs> I, I like the Packers in this game. I think their offense is going to be able to move the ball pretty uh, pretty regularly. I know that the they, Tampa Bay Bucks have the number one rush defense, so I think they will be able to bottle up Aaron Jones a little bit. But LaFleur has shown his ability to be creative in the pass game as well, and I think that you'll see Aaron Jones get involved in the passing game. And hopefully MVS and Tanyan can um, pick up the slack for Adams if he gets locked down. Right. Okay, different side of that one, but it's it's a tough game to call, I think. Um, the next game is Buffalo going to Kansas City. This is at 640 Eastern. Kansas City, we'll talk about their injuries in a minute. They opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, and a 55-point total. It's up to three. I've seen anywhere to three-and-a-half sometimes. And a 54-point total for the Bills coming into town. This one, again, the key injury will start off with the Chiefs since it's a bigger injury. Patrick Mahomes. Now, my understanding is... He's basically cleared the protocol. He's already practicing. Mm-hmm. They're saying it was a nerve issue, not a concussion. Right. Um, <laughs> we'll 
But I think bigger story in this one, I think, is, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was limited practice. He hasn't been playing lately. Where Le'Veon Bell, who also has a knee issue, he's questionable. I thought um, the other guy, what's his name, Williams? Uh, yeah. I he ran really well early in the game, and they kind of went away from it. But it looks like they also might get Sammy Watkins back. Uh, he's got a, he, he, I mean, he might have played on Sunday, but he, I didn't see him out there, really. He's limited. And then they've got, but I saw Rashad Breeland pop up there as well. He, he was limited. He has a concussion, so he must be through the protocol. So I see a lot of injuries for the Chiefs. On the Bills, it's kind of the same story. It's it's Diggs oblique, Beasley's knee. They're fighting through injuries. And then the new one is this Vernon Butler, the defensive tackle, who's questionable, which could affect the, the run game. So with all that, I mean, how are you leaning in this game? I mean, I don't have an official pick in this game, but to be honest with you, I kind of lean to the Bills. And mm-hmm. even with a healthy Patrick Mahomes, I think I would probably lean that direction, catching plus three. I think this Buffalo team has shown that they are a covering machine. I mean, looking mm-hmm. back at their ATS margin, I think that they failed to cover in just one game out of their last 10, mm-hmm. and that was the Colts last week. So. Right. Um, and on the flip side, you have a Kansas City team who's now not covered in nine straight games. That's right. So I realize that the number is probably a little bit lower than what they're used to laying in these spots. But I think that this Buffalo team is showing an ability on offense to move the ball at will outside of the wind in last week's game. And I'm I'm not really sure that Kansas City's defense will be able to stop them. And I believe that Patrick Mahomes is going to be fine in terms of his head and upper body. I do believe that it was a nerve issue. I was reading on Pro Football Doc. He does like all these super intricate analyses of injuries mm-hmm. that he did appear to something just like a very superficial like nerve. And you could tell like right after that, he actually ran off the field. Right. So Right. I remember. I think the toe injury is the bigger question mark in my mind. Right, which is funny that they don't list that on the uh, injury report. But um, so yeah, I mean we're totally at odds this year, this this week. I think that first of all, I grabbed the game at minus two and a half, so I, I feel like nice. it's a good number. Okay, um, so for Kansas City, look, I, I got Kansas City winning the Super Bowl still. I, I'm still going to be on board. I know what you're saying about covering. I, they can't cover a game. I don't understand why. It's just weird. Um, I think more times than not, they're just they're just getting the win. And they don't care about the spread, that's for sure. They're winning all these games except for the last game of the year. So it's just this field goal game. It could just, it could hit the number. This could be a push. You know, it could be a field goal game. These teams are really good. I just think at some point, and maybe I'm wrong, and you know, I love Allen, Allen for president. I've said it many times. I think he's just, this game might be too big. You know, at some point, nerves are going to catch up. Of the four quarterbacks that are left at this stage, he's the, the green guy. And he played fine last week. You know, he missed some deep throws. I just, uh, I just think they're gonna, they're gonna figure it out, man. So I like the game under, and I'll tell you why. Most of these playoff games have been fairly under until you know a couple of weird ones like Washington and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Packers end up going over because they beat that Rams defense. This everybody expects this game to be high. Now I know it opened higher than this. I know we're showing 55. I think it opened more like 56, 57. And has been bet down to 54, but something tells me it's going to be very similar to that Cleveland game, where Kansas City is going to move the ball. I mean, the first couple drives Kansas City had in that game, they sucked all the clock out of that game, that first half. Yeah. You know, 
I, I expect something similar from Andy Reid. As they, I heard pro football talk, similar to you, I heard them talking about doing more like a, an old-school West Coast offense where it's a spread attack and just chunk plays, but nothing, not, I'm sorry, like dinking and dunking down the field to keep the, the ball away from Josh Allen. Um, yeah. So be interesting if they do that. So I do like the game under 54 personally, but I can understand why you, why you want the side. I mean, in this case, the teams are pretty close, and uh, it should be a great football game. I'm curious to see if Mahomes is going to be able to get outside the pocket and run like he's shown in every single playoff game that he's played. He's right. shown that ability. And now with the toe injury, it'll be, I mean, I had him last week on the rushing prop, which didn't get there because of the injury. But right. um, I'm probably going to stay away this week just because there's so many unknowns with that toe. Yeah. The other thing I would say for that handicap, and I was thinking about as I was listening to some, some talk radio this week, if Alaric comes back, like Edwards Alaric comes back, I think it makes a big difference because he doesn't have to be that elusive and get out of the pocket. He can do the check down. Mm-hmm. I don't think Williams is the same kind of check down player. And definitely Bell at, at this stage, I don't know what's going on with him. He's just not the same player. Whereas I think they're going to use Alaire a lot more in that safety valve role than they had the other two backs. Now, if he doesn't play, like you said, he's, he's made great plays down the field. You know, or I'm sorry, when he's running down the field. So I hear you. It's going to be an interesting game. And I think Leslie Frazier is going to have a really good game plan for him. So going to be two great games, Action. We're, we're on different sides here, our best bets, I guess. I'm on Tampa. You're on Green Bay. Uh, you know, depending on the number, I do like the higher number at four, which I got, or three and a half. You got three and a half for Green Bay. And then I'm on KC. You don't have it as your best bet, I guess, but... You're leaning to Buffalo, and then I like the under, but you like the over in KC Buffalo. So I, I wouldn't say that. I, I think oh, I okay. would probably agree with your under call there. Okay, but you like the over in the other game, Tampa Green Bay. Mm, I don't have an opinion on that total either, okay. to be honest. Okay. I, I think I may have referenced the Mahomes rushing prop over. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. The one thing we've talked about too in some of these games, although you know we didn't hit the uh, last week, the Kansas City total. I mean. Typically speaking, like I said, Kansas City comes out and they cover in the first half. (laughs) It's the second half that's the problem. So I may look at that, uh, especially like second half cover for Buffalo or something like that. All right, well, let's move on to the hoops now. Um, you know, obviously, we've had a busy week at work. I know I've been less busy as act as action, but what I've asked him to do this week is kind of generally reference his his index. You know, we've talked about it kind of briefly last week. Maybe if you can just do a quick overview of what it, how you do it, and how you adapt Ken Palm to get to the numbers that that we see on I see on my screen, but we'll just share verbally. Sure. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Ken Palm is a data analytics guru who has been the number one name in college basketball advanced analytics. I think there's a few others out there nowadays, but uh, he has a paywall site that allows you to look at all kinds of data from efficiency metrics through these four factors that he calls them, as well as three-point shooting, two-point shooting, free throws, all the way down the line. And so what I've done is taken Ken Palm's data and downloaded it and put together some formulas, which are fairly simple on the surface, just the efficiency margin on the offense and defensive end and multiply by that team's average pace to get a number of possessions per game and then come up with a total above or below zero, what you might expect any given game. 
but I've also put in some nuances for my own volition for rebounding adjustments and turnovers and effective field goal percentages. So in the end, I come up with a little bit different numbers than Ken Palm might have, but very close, as you'll probably notice across the board. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we've talked about in past years that the action index definitely gives a little more credence to rebounding, which, look, I'm all for it as a coach. Rebounding is critical in basketball, especially for extra possessions and, and defensive rebounding, just shutting down the opponent. So I like it. No surprise that we see the same top teams at the top, you know, the, the Zags, Baylor, Iowa. Um, but I wanted to talk about this team that you've got at number four, and, and they're still in six in Ken Palm from what I can see, Houston. This is a team, you know, out of the AAC that, that's been good for a couple years now. Um, but I haven't been able to watch them yet. Have you been able to watch this team much? I mean, this team is is doing some doing some damage. Yeah, I've watched them play a few times this season, bet on them a few times. They're 12-1, and one, and I think even better. Oh, well, it's hard to do even better against the number, but um, right. they cover a lot of games too, and that's largely due to their rebounding. You can see on here they have a supreme rebounding edge over some of the competitors here in the top 10. And mm -hmm. um, Calvin Sampson's still there, as you mentioned. Yep. And uh, their average scoring margin is 17.5 points per game and uh, average 42 rebounds a game, which is sky high. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, just to kind of reference what we're looking at, you know, like the Zags are a great basketball team. They, you know, this adjusted rebounding that he's got is like 1.99, but for Houston, it's a full, it's over three, 3.04. So they're, it's a full whatever rebound more or whatever possession on how that works, but that's an incredible uh, margin there. That, so, yeah, I've actually equated that to points per game, so their okay. rebounding edge would give them an additional three points above their opponent. Gotcha, gotcha, love it. The other team I wanted to talk about on this list that I don't know enough about yet, but I see it, yours is definitely higher than Ken Palm, but not that much, is Alabama in the SEC. We used to talk about them in football, but this team has obviously put together a squad and I actually, it escapes me. I don't even know the coaches there right now. I know they switched coaches, right? Who's their coach now? Um, I got Nate Oates, the former Nate Buffalo Oates. coach. Right. Yeah. That guy That guy was a hell of a coach for the Bulls. So um, he's obviously making a difference in recruiting because this team is balling. Uh, you've got him at seven in your index. It's 11 in Ken Palm. I don't know if you've been able to bet on these guys, but – there must be, I mean, you, it's a weird year in the SEC because obviously Kentucky's not as good as they normally are. Even Auburn's taken a huge step back as the last couple of years, but Alabama's rising right up there with, with Tennessee. Yeah, they are awesome. And I have been betting on them quite a bit. They've one, two, three, four, eight covers in a row there for you go. Alabama. And uh, this team, they just shoot the lights out. Okay. Um, three point shooting is just incredible 36%. From three-point line, and their offensive efficiency is way up there at 114 points per 100 possessions. That's um, a lot. Herb, Herb Jones is a senior big man inside, and they've got a little guard named Quinterly who can shoot it as well. And they've got uh, – his name escapes me. This super tall white guy is <laughs> a shooter as well. Mm -hmm. So I love betting on Alabama, and I think they are definitely going into the Final Four picture here. Really? All right. Good to hear. Look at this. This just in. You got any futures on, on college basketball yet? I have a Villanova ticket that mm -hmm. I placed when they went into the COVID lockdown, just because right. I figured they were going off the radar, got them down to 15 to 1, okay. which I thought was a little bit of value. But that is my only futures ticket at this time. Gotcha. Good to How know. How about you? 
Oh no, I have none, nothing yet. I, I, I put together my spreadsheet finally. I did not update it again this week. Unfortunately, got a little busy, but I will. And just kind of a not necessarily a programming note, but we we do because you know we obviously pointed for March. It looks like the NCAA has shifted their schedule a little bit mm-hmm. for the tournament. It doesn't necessarily affect our trip directly, but um, but it looks like the first four is moving to you know instead of two nights, they're going to do one day. And that's going to be on Thursday. So instead of, you know, usually opening week, to me, the opening round is Thursday, Friday. Now it's going to be Thursday is the first four. And then the opening round is really Friday, Saturday with the round of 32 is going to be obviously Saturday or Sunday, Monday. Yeah, weird. I don't really know why they did it that way. I imagine it has something to do with TV, television and travel. Yeah, um, it's going to be weird to see opening day really happen on Friday this year. Right. And as you know, full disclosure, you know, one of our guys, Night Ranger, was asking me, what are we doing for Thursday games? I'm like, did you know they're the first four? Uh, <laughs> it's like, I mean, we can do something, but I don't want to be, uh, you know, paying a sports book a ton of money. We could do that on Saturday. We already got the Friday lineup. So, yeah, for sure. Well, let's go in our games of interest this week uh, via the Ken Palms projection. I, I This first one, I'm a little bit um, confused by because I don't know the rest of the reference here, action. So maybe you can help me. Um Oh, it says Michigan minus two. I don't know what the uh, which game we were talking about here. Maybe we got an erased. Is that against Purdue? It is. Yeah, that's okay. probably my bad. That's okay. So you like Michigan going to Purdue? Yeah, Michigan. This is a Friday night special. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. know Friday night action. I could have sworn I wrote that in there, but my bad. Uh, yeah, Michigan going on the road to Purdue tomorrow night, Friday. And this one actually is a real line that's out now. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan minus three, I've already bet. And I think that uh, you're getting a little bit of a lower number than you normally would see just based on the recent victories that Purdue has run off four right. in a row now, starting with the win at Ohio State nice. the other night and then uh, Penn State and at Michigan State last Friday night. So Yeah, yeah. Um, on the flip side, this Michigan team has been really good this season and um, – beating teams very handily. So I think that uh, they're going to go into West Lafayette and get a victory tomorrow night. And, and full disclosure, everybody, this is, that's, that's picking against his alma mater. So this is definitely picking with his head here. He loves, he loves to boil her up, but not this year. Uh, so Wolverines all the way. And Juwan Howard, I guess he's got a team. He's definitely recruited mm-hmm. really well. I mean, beeline when he left, I thought for sure there'd be a, a back step and maybe they had maybe one year was a little bit squishy last year, but this year they're back and, and they're playing really well. well let's go into a couple of games I, I like. Uh, I like Florida State against Clemson. They're hosting Clemson on Saturday the 23rd at 2 p.m. Central. And mainly I'm picking this, even though I love Florida State, traditionally I love this team kind of like Action does for rebounding purposes. They always have big dudes that can play. Um, but it's really more a, a fate of Clemson. I don't know what's going on with this team. I thought this team was really good. They're ranked in the top 20. You know, initially I was like, oh, their metrics are pretty good. They have gotten waxed in back-to-back-to-back games by 18-plus points or more. I don't know what the tailspin is, but I'm going to try to keep take advantage of it still if possible and jump on it. You, you're showing it as a five-point game, So, but the real line is the six, or what, how's that looking? Um, so the six, uh, is from Ken Palm. Okay. That, that's what Ken is projecting. Gotcha. And when I run it through my little machine here, I yes. show it as Florida state minus five. So not quite much value there, but 
I am right there with you. I personally bet on Clemson last night, and they puked right. all over themselves it's it. at Georgia Tech. <laughs> so I think this one makes a ton of sense, and I'm going to be looking at Florida State on Saturday as well. I mean, this year, Clemson, really, the only thing they have to hang their hat on is a really stout defense, okay. which is a good defense, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. But I'm sure you alluded to it earlier. They got destroyed by Virginia last weekend. Yes. Like 30 points. Yes. And, uh Something is clearly not right with this team. I would definitely be looking at the Seminoles as well. Gotcha. Another one back to the Big Ten. I was looking at Wisconsin hosting Ohio State on Saturday at 3 p.m. Central. You know, I really like the Badger team mainly because this team can score a little bit. They can shoot the ball. They actually can. They're used to their, you know, we're always used to the Badger defense and kind of the pack line grind out teams. But this team actually can put the ball in the hole. Ohio State's a, a good team, definitely, but it looks like your numbers are a little bit less than what the Ken Palm line is, so maybe you're thinking there's some value on Ohio State? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, this Ohio State team, before the loss this week to Purdue, last, was that last night? I think it was last night, to Purdue, um, they had run off some great wins of their own right, um, winning at Illinois and yep. then Northwestern at home and at Rutgers the game before that, mm-hmm. so... They've been playing a lot better lately, and I think that we mentioned it last week. It's likely due to the return of EJ Liddell, who is their go-to guy. He really is a do-it-all forward and hits the glass for this team. But, um, you know, Wisconsin is a good team. They've covered a couple games in a row Mm -hmm. um, after losing the big one to Michigan, Mm -hmm. and I, I certainly think they're tough at home. So I'd probably be passing on this one. They did. Wisconsin did cover for your Friday night action last week. We didn't report on it. Our picks from last week, but they did. Um, this one, you, it looks like you like Rutgers going to Indiana and Bloomington. So you're you're rating this game at Rutgers would actually be a favorite, but you're, you're thinking Ken Palm's going to make it on Indiana's way up, you know, three points. So you're taking those three points on the road at Indiana? Yeah, this one's really just a value play. Rutgers has been one of my favorite teams, and despite taking a step back here this year, they're making a valiant effort right now at Penn State. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's really just a favorite Indiana at home, too. They've lost two straight games at home, and they just don't appear to be the same team this year in Bloomington that they are on the road. Mm. I heard uh, a little story on the broadcast last week that Archie Miller told the guys that he doesn't seem like his team is focused while they're at home this season because they have so many distra- distractions going on while they're at campus. And they play a lot harder and more cohesive on the road. So back Indiana on the road, and I'm going to fade them at home here with Rutgers. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, last game is the Big 12, which incidentally, and I, I guess I'm just kind of dumb or something, is the Big 12 still 12 teams? There's only 10 this year. <laughs> I don't think it's 12. I don't know how many that is. I don't is, understand. But... Why don't they change it back? But anyway, they can't be the Big 10 because it's already the Big 10, but it's just weird that it was, it's the Big 12 and it's 10 teams. But um, West Virginia is going to host Texas Tech. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about Baylor you know, playing Texas Tech and Kansas. Finally, Baylor didn't cover a number against Kansas, but they did cover against Texas Tech on Saturday. In this case, I like West Virginia. They've come out a little bit sluggish in Big 12 play, but this team is really good in Ken Palm. Now, I'm not getting a lot of value here. In fact, you're thinking the Tech's better team. Even on the road, West Virginia and the Ken Palm number would be a one-point favorite at home, whereas you think Tech should be favored by one and a half or so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, pretty close, especially when you're looking at a number that close to zero. 
Um, I mean, this tech team is is good again on defense, fourth ranked in Ken yep. Palm in defensive efficiency, and not quite as good on offense as they have been in years past. But Mac McClung, the little point guard from Georgetown, I think is their offensive player. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't know that I'm going to be running to the window with Texas Tech. I know I went against them last week and mm-hmm. had a winner with Baylor. And I do like the way this West Virginia team plays. They're scrappy like they always are, mm-hmm. and they get after it defensively as well. Yeah, so. they can score this year. I mean, they're they're 21st in scoring. That's good. I mean, usually Hugs teams don't do that. It's it's quite the opposite. It's kind of like a Texas Tech model where it's all D and then a decent offense. That's why I like West Virginia here. But you know, I haven't seen them play. I want to see them play some more. These are kind of some interest games, and you know, I kind of yeah. split last week for the most part. One of the other things that I've noticed, Action, and we've, you know, maybe alluded to it in last week's episode, man, there's a lot of postponements. Uh, I'm looking up and down the scoreboard, and even two or three of the games that I talked about last week, two week, two of the games didn't get played, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a real deal. I'm I'm really curious to see what how they're going to deal with that going forward. They can't really play all those games. They may just kind of cancel them at some point, but. It's um it's got to be tough to handicap when you're like okay uh, what's going on is this guy coming off a covid thing or so it, it adds another wrinkle to our analysis here. Yeah, I know in the years past you and I have talked about looking ahead at some of these weekend matchups and not just for the podcast but just getting uh looking at schedules and understanding where spots might be ahead and days and a couple you know a week ahead even t- sometimes but this year, it's much more difficult to do that with games potentially getting canceled. I'm finding myself just looking at games about 24 hours in advance this season. Right. I think that's what you're going to have to do because I was I was disappointed. You know, that UCLA Oregon match mm-hmm. got matchup got you know canceled. I was looking forward to that, and it's like some teams don't even play for a week, week and a half. You know, sometimes two yeah. weeks. So it's it's weird. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question about the NFL. Sorry, I didn't think of this at that point. So at this point, you know. You're probably at the point with like me. You might have a couple of futures tickets on the line. So just as a strategy, you know, for some of our listeners, let's say you have a, a ticket on, say, Green Bay and Kansas City. You know, the two one seeds, mm-hmm. and this is to win the Super Bowl. So you know, is there kind of a smart strategy on on approaching it? You, would you hedge this week or next week? I mean, how are you approaching that in any way in terms of hedging those future bets on the NFL champion? I have a Kansas City ticket as well. I think yeah. it's 350 and my initial reaction to your question is it's really largely dependent on the number that you have. Mm-hmm. I think um, if you're talking about a ticket that's worth plus 500 or more, it gives you a lot more opportunities if you're looking at if you're a one unit flat better. Yep. If you have a chance to win five units in one bet, you certainly probably get into that range where you want to look at hedging so you can lock, lock in a profit. Right. Um, of course, it also depends on what if they're a heavy favorite. Like in that case, Kansas City is certainly a favorite this week on the money line and likely would be next week as well right. against Tampa or Green Bay. So it makes it a little bit more difficult when you're looking at a team like that. Um, on the other side, I also have a ticket on Tampa to win the NFC. Mm-hmm. I think it's also 350, coincidentally. Right. And um, Green Bay is like a minus 180 favorite on the money line. So I'm just going to let it ride and see mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because, I mean, to me, it's like, okay, obviously I have a small bet on you know Tampa to win the game. 
But, you know, Green Bay being a favorite and I already have the Kansas City ticket in my pocket, maybe I roll the money line. But like you said, it's minus 180 or something. So I'm basically putting down two units to get to to roll it. I, I've heard that you should always roll the money line or something if you're in, in lieu of, of futures. I just yeah. wasn't sure at what point. I should have probably asked you last week at what point. I, I obviously had both Baltimore and the Saints. And so those guys kind of burned out on the side. Um, I'm, I'm imagining with this group of players, like, I don't know, I guess I didn't even look if, if I would think Buffalo would be the least, the lowest likely, but maybe it's Tampa because they're the heaviest favorite at this point, but not really sure. Yeah. I mean, the other thing you can do is look at end game strategies. If sure. for some reason, um, the chiefs get out to a pretty big lead, you might get a juicy number on the Buffalo bills or vice sure. versa. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, kind of a short episode this week. They'll be short for another week or two. You know, we're kind of trying to shrink it down. Not as much football. I mean, we'll switch to college basketball in a couple of weeks. But um, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, check us out at the Side Action Pod on Twitter and on YouTube. And check me out at Wegspool on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right, everybody. Enjoy the great weekend of basketball football. And it should be some great games ahead. Yep. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.